there are um, there's two ma- main, I suppose, ways of approaching preaching. Um, one is to, to take a passage of Scripture and to, uh, to open it up and to look at it and to dive into it and then to talk about how that uh, affected not only the original hearers but what it means to us today. Um, that's typically probably the style that I choose most often. It's uh, certainly reflective of our, sto- of our 31-week journey in the story, talking about uh, God's story and how that uh, proclaims truth into the story of our life. The, the second probably main way of approaching preaching is, uh, is to look at the major themes of the Bible, to, to find ways in which Scripture talks in all kinds of ways about particular themes, especially themes about what it means to be uh, a, a child of the King, what it means to be a follower of Christ, and to find different ways that to speak into those themes. That's where we're going to spend the next few weeks together, for we begin today a four-week experience that I think will will radically change the way that most of us have viewed this theme of Christianity called evangelism. Evangelism, just saying the word, for some of you, that just sends a a tingle up your spine because you think at some point I'm going to make you turn to the person next to you and you're going to have to practice in some way um, talking about your faith and, and, uh, and leading them to Jesus right here in this place. If that's you, I just want you to breathe a little deeper. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Uh, but that, that's the way I learned. I mean, in all of schooling and things, you know, we had classes that we took and you had to learn various phrases and you had to learn questions and you knocked on doors and you had to ask, you know, you know, hi, I know you don't know me. My name is Chad. Do you know if you're going to hell or not uh, kind of thing? And so usually, I mean, those, those were the kind of things, I mean, we, that, that we would do and we would memorize things and, and stuff like that. I, I want to set you at ease because I, I think that for most of us here, what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks is going to be different than how we have classically talked about this theme of Scripture. Because there will be no formulas, no scripts, no quizzes, no things for you to memorize. It simply is this. Every one of us knows someone that we love that needs Jesus. Every one of us knows someone that we love that needs Jesus. And if you're a follower of Christ, essentially, isn't that what you want for your life? Don't you want your life to be lived in such a way that those that you care about and those that are around you, that, that they find this hope that we have found in our own lives and, and that they experience the joy of what it means to be in a relationship with God? But we think of that, that theme of Scripture, that, that, that word that we talk about, that theme of evangelism, and, and we think, I, I can't do that. And, and I want to tell you that I think the paradigm that we can discover together over these next weeks is, is that it really is as simple as a walk across the room. And taking a walk is something we all can do. I hope by the time that we're done over these four weeks, you, you, you will recognize that all of us can take that walk. And, and in fact, more than that, that all of us are called to take that walk. The, the just... Walk across the room metaphor is, is uh, the key concept for these weeks that, that came out of a book written by uh, Pastor Bill Hybels. And uh, in fact, he, he's the one who will guide some of the, some of the small group as kind of a jump off place to talk about some people in his own life that came to faith, that didn't know the Lord and were, were walking in ways that, that uh, were, were opposite the way of God's call. And, and each week looking at somebody and looking at some practical ways of, of how their life was influenced uh, to uh, to let God in uh, into the 
the scope of their life. But he writes this book. It's based on this book. And the book is about a true story. And the true story is about a guy who's going along with his life and thinks he knows what he's doing, thinks he's placed his, his hope in where he's placed it, and his life gets totally upended because he meets a follower of Jesus. And you can guess that it began with just a walk across the road. It's the story, this, this true story, of an African-American businessman from the Deep South. And, and, uh, and he said that, that being black and in the South, in his particular industry, in, in his particular uh, uh, area that, that, he, that he worked in, it was uh, kind of uncomfortable at times because he would go to various conferences in their industry or, or various events in which he, was, he had to go. And he's like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's dominated by white folks. He said what the more difficult thing was is that he was also a Muslim in the South. So one night he's at a, at a gathering after a conference and he's over drinking his coffee on this side and there's a group of people over here and they're all visiting together and one of the guys in the larger group sees him over here by himself and, and excuses himself and walks over and introduces himself. And the conversation goes well and, and they, it's smooth and it's natural. They talk about uh, their common business. They they talk about uh, family, they talk about sports, and, and somewhere in the conversation, it got to the topic of faith. Now, our African-American friend is a little hesitant because he is pretty sure that if he brings up that, that he is a Muslim, that that probably will end the conversation. But he, but he does anyway, and to his surprise, uh, the other guy says, well, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I, I honestly, I don't really know much about Islam. Would you help me out? Would you be willing to set up a time maybe next week? We'll have breakfast together. And you could tell me about Islam because I don't know anything about it. And, and why you've chosen to place your faith in that. Well, the Muslim guy almost faints. This follower of Jesus that wants to sit down and have a conversation with him and is, and is open uh, to him. And so they agree. They go to breakfast and they talk and, and it was a great conversation. The, the Christian guy was able to ask all kinds of questions that he'd always wanted to ask and, and, and the Muslim answered his questions the best he could and it went so well they decided to have breakfast the next week too. And they, they went out and they had breakfast and they had fun and it went so well they, they decided to have breakfast the third week. And, and they weren't just talking about issues of faith. They were talking about family and life and they were getting to know each other and, and, and it came upon the, the Muslim guy. He said, you know, you were so good to listen to me. I, Honestly, you're like the most real person I know that's a Christian. I don't know anything about Christianity. Would you mind taking some time to tell me about Christianity and why it is that you, know, you, you believe in, in your faith? <laughs> well, he said, yes, I would do that. And to make a long story just slightly shorter, it was just a few months later, he committed himself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so did his wife. And so did their kids. Folks, the single greatest gift that we as followers of Jesus can give anybody is an introduction to the God who created them, who loves them, who has a purpose for their life. Nothing beats it. No monetary gains, no job opportunities, no recognition, no accolades are as great as that calling. And when you boil it down, that's simply what evangelism is. It is constantly watching for opportunities to give the single greatest gift we've ever been given. Ultimately, what the Christ follower in the story did is, is something we all can do. You see, he had a deep-seated hope that says, God, I'm available. 
I'm available for where you would use me and, and that, that you might use me. And, and, and God does this funny thing. When, when you actually make yourself available, God will give you opportunities. And then you have to decide, what, what will you do with those? Today we, we began a process over these few weeks of talking about how do we become more usable to God. And I, I hope that's your prayer. I hope your prayer is that, that, you would become, that we would become more usable to the God who created us and walks with us and, and loves us and that we might make a, an impact on his kingdom. And the first step to being usable is, is being willing to pry ourselves out of our circles of comfort and stretch out a hand of hope to someone who needs it. So I want to look at that today. What, what might that look like? How do we give, what are some of the steps in giving the, the greatest gift we've ever been given. Well, point one, we've got to be willing to enter the zone of the unknown. You think about that for a moment. This Christian is in this social setting. He is standing in what is, for this conversation, uh, the circle of comfort. He's in a circle where, where the people he's with are easy to relate to. He's having a good conversation. There's no reason for him to break out. There's no danger from where he is. And there's, there's comfort. And you and I understand that because... We, uh, we live in our circles of comfort. And yet he looks across the room and he sees someone. He really sees someone, someone who, who might need a, a little um, encouragement or a little friendship. Not only did, did he look and see, um, Lake, show us the, the next slide if you would. Thank you. He sees that, that, that X represents the guy. I want you to follow along. X marks the spot. Not only does he look and see, but he does something about it because he's listening. You see, I think that that's how the Holy Spirit works. I think sometimes we get confused about that. When something comes up in our life and we go, oh, look, there's a need over there. Oh, look, there's somebody who needs something. I think that most often is the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder saying, oh, yeah, I made you aware of that need. I'm wanting you to go do something about that need. So remember, he has no idea where he's going. And, and he crosses the room and he, and, and he goes to the stranger. He doesn't know how the conversation is going to go. He, he leaves his circle of comfort. He, he doesn't know what the reaction is going to be. He doesn't know what's going to take place, but it's too late. He's walked out of the circle. He's made eye contact. He's on his way. And so he walks, probably praying every step of the way. He walks all the way into what we'll call, during our series, the zone of the unknown. It is in the zone of the unknown, though, that God does his best work. It is in the zone of the unknown where, where the guy comes in and says, Hi, I'm so-and-so, and, and what's your name? And he strikes up a conversation that quite literally will change the eternal destination of this guy and of his wife and of his kids. Can you believe how, really how straightforward an image that is? A circle and an arrow and an X. Can you tell me how much kingdom impact was made by a guy who took ten steps outside of the place of comfort and went to somebody he didn't know? See, I think the kingdom impact there was staggering. I, I think that the gates of hell shuddered when he took that first step. I think in that moment the angels got out the banner making material and they wrote the names of that family and they, they were just waiting. They were waiting to unfurl them for when that family would step over the line of faith. So here's the question. 
And it's not a question we're unfamiliar with. It's just a question that, that we probably need to drill down on in our life a little bit. What could God do if we took ten steps of faith outside of the circles of our comfort? Could he impact somebody's eternal destiny? Could he change the, the future of a family's life by taking a few steps towards someone who doesn't know Jesus? Do you think that'd be worth it? Do you think it'd be worth the risk to change somebody's eternity? Do you think it'd be worth being rejected? Do you think it's worth even the chance of being rejected? See, the matter is this, folks. We've got to take more chances. We're, we're, talking about, we're talking about eternity. And here we are as a people who have been so changed by the gift of grace of God in our life. It is, it's the foundation on which we, 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 we stand. And yet, we are so good at staying in the circles of our comfort. Throughout this time, I, I think that what God wants to do in us more than anything is so that everybody who is in this place, every member of our congregation would understand that God wants all of us to be walk-across-the-room kind of people. Everyone, regardless of your age or your gender or your experience or your personality type or your spiritual gifts, everyone. If you have submitted your life to Christ and, and you're following after Him, and along the way you find yourself you know, wanting to grow but just not growing or find yourself a little, uh, a little stammered, I guess, in, in this walk of faith, I wonder if a place to examine is have we gotten too, com- too comfortable in our circles of comfort by refusing to, to walk out of the zone of the unknown? And I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm the first one to admit, it is easy for us Christians. It is easy to get caught up in the circle of comfort. It's easy because we are surrounded by such great people to just enjoy the glow of the people that are around us. It, it's easy to, to, to spend our time giving all of our efforts and energies to the people inside of the circle. In fact, we even go beyond that. We try to make our circle you know, look exactly with the preferences of our life and how it ought to look. And yet there are people who stand out the circle who we don't see who desperately need some kind of injection of hope that we have been blessed with. If you've made a choice to follow Christ, if, if you have found Him to be true, if you found the Bible to be true, then don't you think that others might find the same thing that you found? I mean, if God really has changed your life and, and really His Word speaks to you in, in all kinds of ways, don't you think that those who are around you might find that same thing that you have found, that life-changing, heart-stimulating, eternity-altering relationship with Jesus? So if we're going to give the greatest gift we've ever been given, if this great gift we've been given is one that we're called to share, how might we do it? Well, we've got to go into the zone of the unknown. And in the zone of the unknown is out of our control, and we give the control to the Spirit. So that leads us to our second point. We've got to listen to the Spirit's promptings. In order to be effective in the zone of the unknown, we've got to be led by the Spirit. It has to be calling on God to guide us in the midst of, of that journey. And before you get the wrong idea of, of what that looks like, I think sometimes we confuse what the Spirit's job is and what our job is. 
I think sometimes we hear stories and we think about evangelism. We think about the guy who tells the story that he was taking a trip across the country and, and he rode in the cab on the way to the airport. He, he led the cab driver to Christ and then he led the, the ticket taker to Christ and the luggage guy to Christ and, and the stewardess he led to Christ. And the guy that was in the middle seat who was trapped led him to Christ as well. In fact, the whole plane was led to Jesus before they land. We hear stories like that and we think, I can't do that. I think sometimes we confuse what, what our job is and what God's job is. I don't think that's what God wants from you. I think he simply wants this. Will you listen? And will you act? Will you listen? And when he taps you on the shoulder, will you act? And let him take care of the rest. Matthew 5.13, Jesus said about his followers, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So the verse says you have to be one who has some savor to you. You have to have some spiritual potency to you. But, but what else do you need? Just having potency isn't enough. You need proximity. You've got to get that salt on something in order to affect it, right? I mean, you think of it this way. I can be the strongest, most, most uh, savory salt the world has ever seen. I can be the saltiest salt of all humankind. There's probably a joke there somewhere. I don't know. But if I don't get myself out there... See, you can have the most beautiful crystal salt shakers ever made sitting on your table. And they can be full of salt, clear up to the top. But if they never get used, if they just sit on the table, they're not worth anything. And I know it sounds scary sometimes to think about being used in that way, but I, want to just, I would just want to hear you that if you will walk in right step with Christ, if you, will, if you will daily seek after His Holy Spirit, and if you'll commit yourself to be salty in the world, and, and you'll commit yourself to go in, in places that have proximity of people who need grace, and you'll listen for the Spirit's prompting he will give you those opportunities to walk. He will give you the opportunities to take the salt shaker of your life and to actually do something with it. What I hope we discover in these next few weeks is not, is not a, a program that we're trying to do or not something that we add. What I want to really discover is for us to tie in to the heart of, of how God's heart beats and how it beats for people and how he, how he longs to, to, to speak into the lives of, of those who don't yet have the hope in Christ that you and I have. And that we might find ways that His heartbeat would become in harmony with the heartbeat of our life. It's something we can all do. Every one of us can do better. Every single person here can learn to do better, to be trained to, to, to do better, to be equipped, to receive pointers, to be more effective. But we have to be willing to do something with it when we learn. So what's it boil down to? Why would we go through all this? Why, why would we do all this? Well, I'm really glad you asked. Romans 5.8. It's on the screen. And I just would invite you would, you. would you read it out loud with me? It says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's good enough. I'll, I'll read it again. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ.
Christ died for us. What a gift. What a gift. Not, not merely that God would feel this kind of love for me, but that He would demonstrate this love for me. This gift that demonstrates His love in, in a radical manner. And how does He demonstrate the love of the Father in such a radical way to bring redemptive, grace-filled, unconditional love for each of us? See, it wasn't just enough to feel that way. He did something. Jesus took a walk. The verses in Philippians that are on the screen talk about a specific point in history, an actual time and space that Jesus walked across the cosmos and broke in with His redemptive hand to people like you and me, all because He took a walk that we might know who He is. You think of the implication of that. Jesus, under the direction of the Father, leaves the circle of comfort, heaven itself, direct participation with the Trinity, the worship and the adoration of the angels. Jesus leaves the the supreme circle of comfort. Why? Because He didn't just love. He demonstrated His love. He didn't just care about us, but He came to make a way so that we might have a way. He came to show us the heartbeat of just how radical God's love is. That God's love is willing to step out and step in. And he says to us, if you're going to be like me, you've got to do what I've done. You're going to take a walk. I took a walk. You're going to take a walk. God says through, through his commission and through his call to, to live Christ-like lives, he says to you, I'm calling you to walk across the street. And I'm calling you to, 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 to walk across the restaurant. And I'm going to ask you to walk across your office complex. And I'm going to ask you to walk across the cafeteria and, and the locker room. And I'm going to ask you to walk and to leave the circle of comfort that you find yourself in and to enter in the unknown. Because it is when you leave the circle and enter into the unknown that God really begins to work. And we get off of our own abilities and our, and our own power and we turn it over to Him. And that really is the third point. Just walk. Why? Because Jesus walked. And I want to follow after Him and I want to do the things that He's called me to do. I don't want to be a person who just says I love. I want to be a people who demonstrate that we love. And you've probably surmised by now that's why we would take the time one month of our ministry calendar to talk about these ideas so that we could get better at hearing the Spirit prompting. But more than that, Not just hearing, but acting upon them. Doing something about them. And becoming more like Jesus. Folks, the greatest gift that you can give any human being is an introduction to the God whose mission it is to seek and save the lost. In the three weeks that come, in the just walk across the room, I'm just going to warn you, we are going to get painfully practical and especially in the small group times. We're going to learn in detail what, how we can be better at getting out of the circle of comfort. We're going to hear stories about, about how, how people who, who have, have, have come to know Christ have come because of the influence of those who lived out Jesus in front of them. We're going to learn better about what it is to, to enter into a room and look across it and, and listen for the prompting of God's Holy Spirit on our shoulder. And in this study, we're going to learn to pray in a new way. To pray 
specifically between the circle of comfort and the zone of the unknown that God would give us opportunities to share what he's given to us. We're going to learn a little bit how to talk not in normal Christianese or churchy kind of language. What people really need to hear is not about what they're doing wrong or how they've got things messed up. What they really need to hear is there's a Savior who can redeem the messed upness of their life. Because on a day that wasn't so long ago, somebody took a walk for you or for your family and you're here today because of the faithfulness of other people that spoke in to your life. It forever changes us, this grace of God. And so I want to invite us to more purposely be people who take walks across room, to leave the comfortable and to move to the significant. Risk your life on the God who gave his life. And I promise you, you will never regret the decision. My guess is that since we've been talking this morning, you've had at least one name or more that have come to your mind that you know you've been tapped on the shoulder and that God's calling you to walk across the room for them. I want us to journey together as a people who say, we're going to pray for each other. We're going to walk with each other. We're going we're to take on the calling of the Spirit to make a difference in the eternity of those people who are around us that we love and care about. And we're going to pray till it happens. And we're going to get better at reflecting this call of God in our life. What might God do if you're willing to take a walk? Would you stand? Father, thanks this morning for being with us. Thanks for a, a good day of worship where we could just experience your spirit and, and, and praise your name and sing songs that remind us of your faithfulness and the hope that we have in you. And Lord, as we, as we jump off for this four-week time period into ways of, of examining how we might be more effective in sharing this news, Lord, I just, I'll just confess to you right up front, this greatest gift I've ever been given needs to be re-gifted more often. And God, I, as long as I'm being honest with you, I'll confess to you, It's not, it's not that I just need to see more people. Because I see them. What I really need is the strength to take seriously your call to be your hands and feet, to be your representative. In this short life that I have, I don't want to get to the end of it and know that there were people who I just didn't get out of my comfort zone to make a difference for. So Lord, would you help us? Give us the strength, the ability, give us some tools. Find ways that we can share this, this amazing gift of grace 
to make a difference in those lives that we love. Lord, as we go from this place, we just invite you, go with us, pave the way, lead us. May, may we keep our eyes fixed on you, and we'll be tempted this week by all kinds of things that will, will tempt us to turn left or turn right, uh, but Lord, help us keep our eyes fixed on you. In the midst of this week, God, I pray that you would bring joy in spite of whatever circumstance we face, that you would bring your spirit of comfort and peace in, in, the, in the brokenness of some of the places we go, and that we might look more like you day by day to those who see us. Boy, I ask your blessing, Lord, on these folks. Go with us as we endeavor to walk for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.